Okay, okay, this is a Geico commercial, a 30-second one, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you. Uh, the lizard voice doesn't work. But please stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. That's the same amount of years as I've been alive. <laughs> At any time you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company is Geico. Go to geico.com today. Sorry for all the numbers. And in 54321, I'm out of time. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you all. I, 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 you may or may not know, you know his voice. This is the real Zuckerman, my co-host for Spike's Car Radio. Hello. I thought we'd have him up here. Please don't feed him or keep your hands away from his mouth. He's, he's dangerous. But if you're looking for loose women and illegal pharmaceuticals, he's the guy to talk to. That guy right there. <laughs> he's got the drugs. Yeah. The anyway, women? That guy. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't be more excited to be back here with you folks. And I, you know, I want to thank Katie Waller and AIG, who puts this on every year. It's a real treat for us to actually not just come here and, and drive cars and cause trouble, but to to get in front of uh, you all and uh, talk cars. And we're going to do that today with someone really special. Um, he's a comedian, he's an actor, he's a radio personality, television host, a New York Times best-selling author. He also hosts the Adam Carolla Show, which, you probably don't know this, holds the Guinness Book of World Records for most downloaded podcast. Can you believe that, Zuckerman? It's amazing. Wow. That's Unbelievable. Really... A dedicated car nut, Adam Carolla. Here he is. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Good to see you, my friend. Hey, Adam. Welcome to yeah. this very special edition of Spike's Car Radio. Here's how <laughs> much of a car guy I am. I left the track this morning after uh, doing a practice, uh, you know, like um, qual- practice qualifying this morning, and went straight to the DMV. <laughs> I swear to you, because the DMV in L.A. is so screwed up, you can't get an appointment. So I made a DMV appointment out here off of Laguna Seca and renewed my license before I came here to talk about cars. Wow. And That's that deserves a lot of applause. What do you have to do to renew your license these days? I thought it just it came in the mail and you just check a box. No, I had to go down. I had to take an 18-question test, which made me very nervous. I was back to, uh, it's pass-fail. I passed. I got my uh, temporary license, and, and here I am. Uh, give them $36. They don't, they literally, they don't accept credit cards. And I'm like, I can't buy a beer on an airplane without a credit card. How is it that you don't accept credit cards? And she's like, we're experimenting. With a, I was like, it's 2019. Experiment over. Metric system gone. It, credit cards in. That's. Just go ahead. Don't experiment with a pilot program to use credit cards mm-hmm. at, a, at the You just use a credit card. How about that? There you go. Well, congratulations on your new driver's license. Thank you. <laughs> now we're expected to start today. I want to start with the uh, the collector car market. Sure. I've been kind of tuned out all summer on it. Where, where, where are your what are your feelings on where we're at as the the collector car market as a whole right now? 
I think the like vintage Lambo stuff is pretty flat and it's been pretty flat. I, I think like a lot of the, the Italian market, like the V12 market is in general kind of flat, not some of the modern supercars, you know, those those are doing doing okay. I feel like the Japanese market is really coming up, like two forty Zs and you know, two forty I think one sold for a hundred grand plus and mm-hmm. bring a trailer. Uh, race cars are kind of where it's at, and cars with like a story, you know, like race cars with history. This ran at Le Mans, this ran at Sebring, this ran at Daytona, you know. It seems like like you take like a Ferrari Daytona, it, it's been kind of flat for five years. You take a, I like a Ferrari Daytona, but it's been flat for yeah. five years. What do, what do you want me to do? Now, you, you uh, bought one right at the moment they started to trail down, yes, I remember. Yes, I was having a, a moment of depression, and, that, and I needed, I needed, I should have just stuck with some ice cream and cookies, but instead I, instead I bid on the car at auction. That's, uh, that's what I did. I, I love, there's nice ones here. Like, they're, they're, they're nice cars, but the front-engine V12, sort of Italian market, I feel, is flattened out. Mm-hmm. Porsche was, you know, heading up, and it's 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 calmed down a little. I, I feel like the race cars, and then the lower end, kind of the NSXs and the Japanese, some of the Japanese stuff, and then the very top of the market, you know, the GTOs and the crazy Aston Martins, race cars with Lamar history. Those have been going. The kind of the middle Muras and Daytonas and uh, Dinos. Those have been. Right, but the English stuff, like the Aston Martin has been going up, and the Group C stuff, like Lancia and, and the weird 80s. Stratos uh, weird, yeah, Audi, yeah. Audi Sport Quattros. Right, right, like 80s rally stuff has gone berserk. Like 80s rally stuff six years ago was like, get away from me, weirdo. Right. I don't want your weird car with all its turbos on it. Right. And now it's like... 500 grand is entry level weirdo street Lancia. Now, do, 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 I heard that you, before any of these events, are going through every single auction. That you're looking at all the cars, at all the auctions this week, and coming up with a game plan. Is that, is that true, or is that just a rumor? We, we always try to find cars that either we like or we feel like represents right. cars that we have. And, and from, the, from the market perspective, when you talk to guys like David Gooding and Hans uh, were something or whatever, like car appraiser stuff, you go, hey, I, I have a 1994 Clayton Cunningham 300ZX, you know, Z car. Like, how much is it worth? And they go, we don't know because there are no other cars that are really, there's no comps. So they try to find cars that are sort of like, well, it's a Roush Mustang, and it's sold for blah, 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 and, you know, and, and this, that, and the other. Like, Tommy Kendall drove this Roush Mustang, and it sold for 600 k So we try to find cars we like, and then we try to find cars that are sort of comparable or could be comps to some of the cars that I own. Right. Just to find out where they're going. I think any minute we're going to blow away into the sky, <laughs> like one of those bouncy castles flying over Texas, but... Um, do you, you know, you mentioned Bring a Trailer, and I've been thinking a lot about them, because they really, you know, we, they, they have our attention, they've had it for quite some time, but it seems like this year they've upped the types of cars that they're selling, they're selling nice cars, I know they, there's a, a Roof 73 911 RS on the site, and they're up and running all year long. 
Do you get the, the feeling that these guys might eat, you know, the traditional auctioneer's lunch? Well, I have thoughts on this because, um, you know, the thing about if you're selling or, or like you're in the market for a Gullwing or, or a Dino Ferrari, you know, a, a Gullwing Mercedes is like one, two, but it's not really past that. Maybe one, three in there. If you want a Dino, you know, kind of depends, chairs and flares or whatever. But, you know, it's 350 to four. But when they put the 10% VIG onto that, mm-hmm. The, the person who's raising the paddle has done the math. Right. So we're going to stop at 1-1 one, one because when I get out of here, it's going to be 1-2 and change right. to buy that car. So if you're selling that car, you didn't get 1-2 and change. You got 1-1 one, one and you basically just left 100 grand on the table. Bring a trailer is kind of for the dis, you know, discerning eye going, like we just had a Porsche 962 with not a lot of history just sold. And I was saying to my guys, like, I think that thing's nine to a million. And it sold, it hammered on Bring a Trailer at 960K. But if you sold it here this weekend, it would stop at 860 because right. the guy didn't want to pay more than a million bucks for it. And that's, I think people are trying to, they've figured out the VIG, so to speak, and they're, they're stopping it, you know? Do you ever worry about getting screwed on a car you buy at auction? I mean, have you ever been? Where you get something, you, you haven't driven it, you pay a lot of money for it, and now, look at that. You're talking about my marriage? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about... That was devastating. <laughs> but, oh, automobiles? Automobiles. Ah, uh, no, they treat me... With respect and dignity, the sex is good. It's, uh, it's all there. Still fresh after all these years, you know, still going strong. All right. Still get that come-hither look for my 935 when I walk up on it. I want to talk about that car because you were just at the track with a 935, right? I was. And that, that car, I think I was with you when you bought it at auction. Yes, you were. The same day as the Daytona was yes. bought, right? If I'm not I mistaken. think he did better. <laughs> well, I hear you're still sorting that car. First of all, what is it like to have at the track? What, what, do you, what, what races are you in with it right now? Um, well, well, I'm in group... Uh, 5A now, which is like IMSA and GTO and GTU and whatever, like, I don't know, 73 to 81 or whatever. It's just, it's just everybody. It's a, it's a bunch of 935s and some pretty crazy Corvettes, like Greenwood, big body Corvettes and, and uh, some uh, 3.5 uh, Batmobile BMWs, which we love, and some Z cars and uh, usually some M1s, although I don't, I don't see any M1s. Uh, out today, and uh, Decon Monzas, which are like the craziest, <laughs> c- craziest race car ever. Um, what did you have to do to the car after you bought it? I mean, there's oh, a car you buy at auction, right? Yeah. You didn't get a chance to drive it beforehand. How was it delivered to you? And then what have you been doing ever since then? Um, we, uh, we took the car. We, we, we wanted, I wanted to go race the car, so we dropped it off at Canopus Shop. And then we backed up a Brinks truck and just dumped it onto a driveway, you know. And then it actually hit another Brinks truck, which was pulling away, which was so right. another customer's yeah. Brinks truck. Yes. So there's a lot of Brinks going around. And uh, then he got it all kind of dialed in, so mm-hmm. to speak. And then I said, uh, well, we should meet at Sonoma and, and go around for a few times. And, and we did. And then I, I drove it. And... Uh, we had a passenger seat in it. And then I said, 
you know, take the passenger seat out. And we just met for the Monterey Historics. And we did that uh, two years ago. And then last year was Datsun, Nissan, or whatever, 50 years or whatever. So I brought a Newman Nissan. And then this year we're back with the, the 935, which, uh, you know, like it's an old car with a lot of races and some of the suspension stuff was a little out of, you know, cattywampus. And we just kind of fixed it. Right. And do you do that yourself? You have a, a pretty big shop in North Hollywood. Yeah. Once it leaves Canapa and then you want to do more sorting, what, is that yeah. something you take on? Yeah. We did it at my shop. Just got a frame table and, and put it on mm-hmm. the frame table and hung some plumb bobs and fired a couple lasers and found out <laughs> there was a kind of a difference between the right and the left side. Did Canapa, we talk about this all the time because we've both had cars up there. He likes to deliver when he's done with his work this little booklet yeah. with photographs of one of his mechanics with a white glove pointing at the things that they fixed. Right. Did you get one of those fairy tale books? I got a did? dossier. Yes. <laughs> little dossier. Yeah. It's like the Unabomber wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what, what, yeah. Let me ask you this. What do you, why are you racing vintage as opposed to new stuff? What is it about vintage cars that you prefer to race? Well, I like the cars, you know, better than themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's better than a 935? But and they're not as safe as a new race car, right? No, I, I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't imagine they are. But uh, the the oh, I think only one guy's ever died in a 935, and that's <laughs> Rolf Stumlin. But his name's on my car. So <laughs> it's a good sign, or maybe we got it out of our system, right? Yeah. You don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, he drove with Newman at uh, Le Mans in 79 in, mm-hmm. in my car, and then he died at Riverside, I think, in 81. Interesting guy, if you look up Ralph Stumlin. He had two wings break off of cars at full speed. Like, he had a F1 car wing bust off and had a mm. horrific accident, and then he had a wing bust off on a 935 and had a horrific accident. Mm. So it's like two bad, weird, sort of... Uh, catastrophic failures to wings which yeah. is kind of kind of random uh i drove in a in a modern um trans am race at uh at willow springs at, uh, and in a gt1 uh in trans am one um in a c7r like two frame corvette and it, that was good i mean it was i had a water bottle and stuff like you had a switch, <laughs> yeah. it had a switch you could drink water. Uh-huh. It had a, had a had a radio. Uh-huh. It had a sequential gear shifting. Like it was kind of fire safety. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. No, it felt it felt good. Mm-hmm. Like it felt normal. And a guy was like at a computer and stuff, and he was doing things to the <laughs> suspension. And it, yeah, he had like all the whole readout on the dash with all the. I was playing Angry Birds like during the whole <laughs> back straight over there. Uh, and it was like kind of comfortable, and I had like a fan blowing and stuff, and it, it was good. It was good. I I, I like driving that car. Like I, it was nice. I, I would do more of that. Yeah. Where does the fascination with the Paul Newman cars start? Is that why this so much of this stuff is vintage? Even though at the time Paul Newman's driving new stuff. Uh, you know, probably I, I was more. I was less of a, a Newman guy and more of a Datsun guy. At the beginning, so I just got, um, I got a six ten, I got a Bob Sharp six ten, and 
it, it was Newman Sharp racing for a long time, but this was a Bob Sharp before he met Newman. Mm-hmm. And then, like, kind of word got out, like, oh, if you got a Bob Sharp 610 little four-banger Datsun, like, they're like, there's a Z car that uh, Newman drove, a championship car from 85, that's for sale. It's like just sitting in Danbury, Connecticut or something, like with like a flat tire. And I was like, oh, okay. And then you just become that, that person. Like if you're the woman who collects hippos, like stuffed hippos and hippo mugs. Like it starts innocently enough with a hippo mug, right. but you put it on your desk at work and someone's like, I know what Cheryl Ann wants for Christmas. And then you get a hippo shawl and next you have hippo slippers. And then right. you're like the hippo. And then people start calling you like, hey, I found some hippo stuff. You want it? And now you start living this life where you're like, I guess I'm that person. So that's what happened with me and Newman. You're the hippo girl. I'm the hippo girl. So how many Newman cars are we talking about right now? Well, uh, 11 now. Wow. We just got uh, the Newman uh, Porsche. Uh, another Porsche. Yeah. I didn't know that there were that many Newman race cars. Well, there, there's kind of like a strata of Newman cars. There's like team cars that he drove for a season, right. you know, so you, they have log books, and he drove it for 1986, he drove it the whole season, you know, and then there's, a little higher than that, there's like team car, he drove the whole season, and then he bought the car, and like owned the car and drove it at some, like, vintage events or fun events, or whatever and then as you start, like, getting down the line a little, it's like he drove it one... He drove it at Daytona. It's like a Roush Mustang, and he drove it with two other guys at Daytona mm-hmm. in 89, you know? And it's like, it's got his name on it, and he drove it at Daytona, but it's not like he drove it for a season kind of thing. It's kind of like he got, like... I, uh, I drove uh, the C7R Corvette. I drove one time. Like, you could say, well, Adam, if, if, if there's any value to Adam Carolla dri- cars one day, which I don't think there will be, but if there is, you can go, <laughs> he drove it at Willow Springs at a Trans Am race to get their price. Right. You know, and someone will go, give me an extra 49 cents. You know? but, but, he um, got his license renewed here. He got his license yes, renewed here. Pebble Beach Car Week. But that, but so I have a lot of his team cars, but mm-hmm. then there's like the Porsche he and Bill Freeman, I think, drove it at Sebring in 77. So he finished, came in like 11th in GT class or something, like, you know, 20, 20th overall. Something. But he drove it at Sebring, he co-drove it, and they finished. And that's, that's about it with Newman and that car. And do and you have any memorabilia? Yeah. What, what, I heard you bought somebody's entire collection of Newman memorabilia. There was, it, oh, no, was it Bob hi- Sharp. That's hippo stuff. I got oh, hippo. Yeah. <laughs> I have pajamas. I have a fitted comp sheets. I, no, I, yeah, Bob Bob Sharp. Bob, what did he have exactly? So he calls you and he says, "I have uh, the collection of all the stuff I've been saving over the years of my my own Paul Newmans." He's uh, going to take it to Cruz. auction. Of what? Tom Cruise. Oh. Tom Cruise. When there was the Newman-Tom Cruise connection. Oh, right, right. Remember. Right. So what, and, and you say just package it up, I'd like to buy the whole deal. But, but what, what did you get? 
<laughs> like, I'm curious because with McQueen, we're talking like sunglasses and you know racing suits from Le Mans and from the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. What is the Paul Newman memorabilia collection? Um, a lot of empty salad dressing bottles that he didn't. <laughs> they said cans, but he said, "Yeah, you got to pull the label back. You'll see. You'll see. I haven't done it yet. I take the man's word right. for it." Um, but the watch. No, I. Though the Newman Daytona sells for sixteen million dollars. I think it was like, seventeen and change right, with, the, okay, with right. the Vig. There um, you go. So, what what I got from uh, uh, Bob Sharp? So. Bob Sharp, well, when we did the documentary, I just went to his house. He lived uh, at the time a little bit away, uh, five miles from uh, Lime Rock in Connecticut. And I just went over there, and he had all the helmets and all mm-hmm. the whatever. And he, he just, we just agreed on a price. I think it was like 200 grand. And he just said everything. You get fire suits. You get helmets. You get Paul. You get Tom Cruise stuff. You get, he sent me over like stuff like Bob Sharp, Dotson Salesman of the Year, 1971. I'm like Bob, you don't have to send me, send me everything like his wife's wedding dress from her first marriage. Like, I mean, it's like he literally pulled padding and carpet up and just rolled it all. Like sent every windbreaker. I have wow. like. Scott Sharp, his son's helmets. Like, well, what's the Tom Cruise stuff? I mean, were there any watches? Were there any Paul Newman watches? No, sadly, there was there was a, there was some helmets, some like well worn helmets, which are kind of interesting. The racing suits by themselves. Like, I know the Steve McQueen racing suit was offered to a friend of ours for a hundred thousand dollars, and we laughed about it. And then it was sold for a million dollars not long <laughs> after. Right. You know, so it looks like you're already making a little money there. Well, I guess if I, if what do you I sell do with it, it... What do you do with it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I do with it. So I, I had his helmets. I had... Zuckerman. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Control yourself. Okay. Yeah, we play a game called Reverse Chicken, where yeah. I have my wife put on the fire suit, and then she... We don't get in the pool, though. But anyway. Um, so what happened was is I had... His fire suits, I have like two or three of them, and a couple his helmets, and they're cool. You can, they the radio in, in the back, and it has his birth date, and his last tetanus shot, and his, you know, blood type, and everything all written on the back oh, of the helmet cool. and everything. And if you see pictures of him from the day, you'll see the helmet with the PLN, like on the whatever. And, uh, and I had it just like in Lucite cases and just sort of sitting out in my, uh, Sort of museum showroom, whatever it was, and then uh, and then the watch sold for seventeen and a half million bucks. Right, and I was like, I think we should take this stuff and put it in the safe instead yeah, of yeah. just leave. It's just kind of laying around, right, basically. Right. So now it's sitting in a safe somewhere. Oh my god! But uh, I don't know that it's worth. I, I, I don't. I don't know that it's worth anything. It's worth something. That's exciting. I, with the Tom Cruise stuff, you don't know what that stuff is. Is it just stuff from the movie, or just? It's 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 Tom Cruise's fire suit from the real race. and Tom Cruise's helmet from when he ran with Newman and Sharp in like eighty seven eighty eight. Oh well, color money. Yeah. Um, he came over. He was shooting a movie with Paul. Paul said, "Why don't you, you know, like to run around with us?" He raced in uh, showroom stock for. A season, I think, and then he raced in whatever GTU or some whatever. They built him a car. 
Like mm-hmm. uh, Nissan, of course, is into Tom Cruise wanting to drive a Nissan. So uh, Bob kind of, Bob did a thing where he's like, we're happy to see him leave without getting hurt. <laughs> he's basically saying he drives like an asshole and, and he's going to kill him. Well, you guys ready for some football? It's officially happening this week. Get excited. We're in week one of the NFL And if you're looking for a place to make online wagers, well, head to betonline.ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. There are some big matchups week one. We've got Green Bay at Chicago, Atlanta at Minnesota, Rams at Carolina, and Pittsburgh in my hometown zone, New England. That's where I grew up, people. Each week, I'm going to be submitting five picks of winners, and that means just straight pick them, no lines. These are the five teams out of all the lineups that I think are going to win. This week, I picked the Patriots, of course, the Panthers, and the Packers. I wanted to run through those peas. The Seahawks for good old Joel McHale and the Chargers. I can tell you that I'm most confident about the Patriots and uh, the rest of them I have no idea. So I just picked some names. I guess, and I'll be competing with a couple of my podcast hosts, Adam Carolla, who may know football. If I win in week one, that means... Five of my lucky listeners will be selected to receive $100 in their account. Listen to that, folks. They'll also be donating $5,000 to the winning host charity of choice. That charity is Porsche. Is there anything better than doing something good while you watch football? You can join the full conversation on Twitter at hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. Hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. Plus, when you sign up, use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. Again, that's promo code podcast one for 50 percent off when you sign up today betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts you're listening to spikes car radio i'm going through my notes here and i'm remembering i I have a friend of mine swears he saw a porsche 935 driving around glendale on the city streets is that possible yes (laughs) highly possible congratulations that's good that car's not street legal though no. Well, I, I drove it on the street, so, All right. you know, what came first? The, Let me ask you just about the your, your... No, what, what, what happened was this... You, so you did. You were driving this oh, car? Yeah. Well, because we changed a whole bunch of suspension geometry right. on it, and when I brought it out to uh, Rensport, like, we thought we fixed a bunch of stuff, and then when we brought it out to Rensport last year... I got in the car to, to like drive it, and I, I didn't make it out of the paddock without it. Like it was like it was something was wrong big time. So I said, "We're not doing that again." Like before we take it to the track, I'm getting in it, and you know flip flops and uh, in, in, in board shorts. But we're going. I'm going to drive it down the street on a Sunday. I'm not an idiot, you know. And I, I don't want people. I don't want to hit the truck coming out of the Home Depot, you know. And I like. I'm going to drive it, and I'm going to let it track, and I'm going to see if the wheel's, you know, doing mm-hmm. that. I'm going to mm-hmm. brake and see if it's pulling, whatever. I just did a couple of hot laps around Glendale, <laughs> and, it, and then uh, I would pull it back into my shop. I was like, all right, it's good. Like, we can oh, wow. go. That's yeah, because otherwise you have to pack it up and take it to Willow Springs. Yeah, but you see it at speed, and that's how you sort it. Well, I want to ask you what kind of collector you are. You know, we know a lot of collectors and car collectors, and they vary, you know, between very finicky, obsessive, compulsive about things. What kind of collector are you, first and foremost? Are you a guy that gets upset about dings and 
little things on the on the car that are you know a, a wind. He was just upset that the Zagato 356 that we brought the windshield was a little foggy, you know. Mm. And I'm kind of the same way too. I'm a little finicky about that stuff. What about you? I, I like this stuff to be nice. I like it to work. You know, I I. Uh... I, I have thoughts about that when it comes to, like, cars you're presenting or showing or even selling and, you know, photographing or whatever. But, you know, as far as the race cars go, there's, you know, like, I, it'll be sitting in my warehouse and then somebody will come over and they'll have, like, the five-year-old and the five-year-old will, like, grab it and open the door and be, like, trying to climb in it and... The parent will be yelling, no, 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 no. And I'm like, let him do it. Let him do it because that's all we do. I right. mean, it's a, it's a race car. It's mm-hmm. like it's going to get shit stuck to it. It's going to get dinged up. It's going to be pulled in and pulled out. Like, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get messed with. You know, I mean, if you, you can't be worried about chips or, or dings or whatever on a, on a race car because gonna, you're going to go out and it's going to come back covered with junk. You right, know? So right. it's like... I don't know. I feel like if it's a race car and you're taking it out and racing and a five-year-old wants to, like, open the door and crawl in it and you're screaming, no, like, that, that's a weird mixed message to send to the car, right? Because you're going to go out and try to thrash on it, right? right? So, right. so, you know, with the race cars, I just figure drive them, use them, whatever them. You know. and, and are you, when you think of the word preservation, what does that mean to you when it comes to a car? Let's, let's set aside race cars for a second and just the collectible cars in your collection. What is preservation for you? Is it the factory or is it the story of the car as it's arrived into your garage? The people who have owned it, maybe the modifications they've made themselves. What do you find valuable in a car like that? Well, I, you know, sometimes it's a case-by-case basis. I have some BRE cars. Uh, we love Pete Brock. And some of those cars, like I have two BRE 510s, they get whacked up and hacked up and sent to, like, the Dominican Republic and box flares put on them made out of wood, you know, and stuff. And, like, those kind of cars, I'm like, we should put this back to exactly what it was when... Pete Brock and BRE built this 510 in you know, 1969. So mm-hmm. I, I have those kind of thoughts on, on those cars. Some cars, like uh, my 935, you know, ran as an Apple liveried car with the uh, K3 sort of big body on it and mm-hmm. stuff like the following year. Sometimes you think, well, what do you, what do you want to do? But it's like, eh, run it as it ran at at uh, Le Mans originally in 79. I, you know, when in doubt, I think you go back to how it started. I have a Newman uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass Trans Am car that when I got it, it had a Camaro body on it because that's how Newman, Newman ran it for the 89 season or something. And then when he was done, some years later, he bought it and they said to him, oh, don't you want to run an Oldsmobile Cutlass body on it? He went like a cool Camaro body on it. So he put his cool Camaro body on it and just painted it red, white, and blue, but it didn't have any sponsorship. And then I drove it a few times at a few events, and it was great. But I was like, I think it needs to go back to the original Oldsmobile Cutlass body that he drove it on. So my head on it is like, let's get it back to how it was 
when he drove it in Trans Am in 89, but I'm going to keep the Newman uh, Camaro body mm-hmm. and display it. Like, here's how he drove it, you know, but he also drove it this way first. So, I don't know. It's kind of go back to w- what it started as. And what do, you, what do you get into on the weekend? You want to go into your hangar and grab a car. What are you driving? Like, what, is it the, the rare, difficult-to-drive stuff or... You know, Zuckerman, he, he's always, he's got these beautiful cars in his collection, and, and more often than not, he just jumps into an 80s BMW and, and loves it. He likes the drivers. By the way, me too. I, you know, I, I just like to get in a car and drive, and I don't necessarily want to be challenged that much. What are the cars in your collection that you go, do you get in more often than not? You know, most all the stuff I have are race cars now, so I tend to just tinker around with them or see what the progress is on putting Newman's GT1. I have his 86 championship car that's like a two-frame car, but it's in, it's in a lot of pieces right mm-hmm. now. And like the engine's at Rebello. We got to get the engine back from Rebello. They, <laughs> they want money. They're holding my engine hostage. They cut off the tip of a spark plug and they sent it back in a rag. My wife fell apart. <laughs> um, so, like, there's, this is always just like we got to put it all back together. But, it, like, right. in terms of, like, what well, am what I. What are you driving? I drive I my 935 around Glendale. That's hilarious. Uh, well, you can know I your old do, race cars. I'm not that. Uh, Last time I saw you, you were in a Jaguar, some new yeah, Jaguar. Yeah, I'm, but that I'm was a that, car you were on a deal with, right? I'm not, I'm not that cool, like, around town. I'm just no, kind of like... on the track. I, yeah, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the opposite of uh, Jay Leno, which is, which is he has told me that he only wants cars he can drive on, on the, the street, street right. basically. And I went, well, I, I like cars I can drive on the track. Yeah. And so <laughs> we'd make quite a couple if he'd ever see things my way. I've tried to remove most of the sexuality from the proposal, but he still just says talk to the hand. So great. Um, you know, it's very common for race, dri- race car drivers to say that. They, they prefer to make noise on the track, and then they're in Teslas a lot, a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. It does, it, uh, I Nothing, mean, uh, street cars just don't impress them in the way race cars impress them. Well, I, I think it's like when you take the kid that's getting into trouble on the street, you sign him up for the Golden Gloves, and you have the off-duty cops teach mm-hmm. him how to box, and then he, gets, he doesn't get any more street fights. Mm-hmm. Like, I, think it's a, I think there's a version of that for cars where it's like, ah, the street, it seems like trouble, you could get stabbed or something, like, I, I don't know, there's too many tickets floating around Burbank and Glendale, like where I am too, it's like, yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't want to think about it, like, I just want to strap in and, and, and do it, like, officially. Tell me about your production company, you have, are you only making new documentaries uh, about motorsports? It's Chassis.com, right? Yes. I, I remember you did, um, S-S-Y. The 24-Hour War, right? Right. And now there's the big Christian Bale, Matt Damon movie, Ford versus Ferrari. Did they That's come right. to you? No, they never. For, <laughs> for information, because you were there first, right? And you, you did a great documentary a be- about it. Thank you. It's the, it's the best part of Hollywood. Like, like, <laughs> I, was like I was just at the uh, Shelby Museum in uh, Boulder, I think, Colorado. Anyone, any of you guys been to the Shelby Museum in Boulder? It's like... It's a little off the beaten path, but it's a killer museum. Like, they have the original... They have some original Shelby Cobra Daytonas, speaking of Pete Brock. They have 
the uh, uh, they have GT40s, a lot of significant GT40s. They have the Ken Miles GT40 there. I mean, they have everything. And I was like, as I said to them, I go, oh, when they were making the movies, did like, the producers like ask you any questions? You own all the cars. And they're like, nah, they didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because they don't want facts or anything. Right. So, right. Uh, no, I think... I feel like in Hollywood, like, if they ask you a question, if they send you an email going, hey, you made a doc about this movie, we're going to make a movie about this, then somehow that's some sort of entree into me suing them at some point. Like, so if there's any communication whatsoever, I'm going to sue them and go, that was my idea, and I got an email that says you you had questions to prove it, you know? So I think they distance themselves from it. What do you have coming out on Chassis? What are your, your new documentaries like? We have one called Hippos, Hippos, Hippos. <laughs> this is a young woman. No, she, healing through hippos. I want so a piece another. Of that, or I'm going to see you. <laughs> uh, no, we have, we have uh, the Willie T. Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs doc, first a black driver at Indy. That, that one's finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just finished Shelby America, which is... Uh, we're going to show, actually, tonight, I think the tickets are probably used up, but we're showing that uh, uh, sold out uh, at Shelby Club, not because I'm good. They just buy things. No, they you can know? still come. Look, there's yeah. not that many of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just show up. I'm going to get you I'm going to be the Golden State Theater doing my uh, brand of non-car-related comedy. <laughs> if you're interested, Saturday night, a few tickets to that left. But... Um, we're working on uh, Shelby. We're just finishing. Uppity, we did just finish. Uh, we're actually working on one on memes. We're working on one on Mad Magazine oh, wow. uh, as well. Um, we have, God, we, we've got a bunch of different docs, mostly car-centric docs. We want to do, oh, K-Rock, thanks. We want to do the, uh, trying to work on a K-Rock, the radio station doc. We're trying to work on a That's Whittington great. Brothers uh-huh. uh, Project for the Porsche guys here. Yeah, wow. And it's all going to roll out on chastity.com? Uh, yeah, theoretically, yeah. <laughs> At this point, I mean, unless somebody wants to step up and cut a check and take care of it. Um, let me ask you uh, is it true that you did comedy at a traffic school? That you were doing stand up for a comedy traffic school? Well, I didn't do stand-up for comedy traffic school, but I taught comedy traffic school, which is a form of art, yes. you know, what, what right is, below mine. What, what is that? Is this before you're doing stand-up? Yeah. Well, it was kind of during, you know, it's during the lean years. Um, I was... But it's eight hours. It's right. eight hours, yeah. But you're, but you're not doing eight hours of stand-up. It's you're trying to make the information funny. Just tell us about what what we would have seen had we walked into. All right, all right, I got so, it. Uh, okay, so, so I'm cool. only going to do like three hours because I know you guys are <laughs> I'm not going to do the whole set. I, I'll, right, I'll, I'll do like forty percent. Yeah. Time. Uh, I so. I work for uh, Let Us Amuse You Traffic School, L-E-T-T-U-C-E, ah. Let Us, you get it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Super confusing. Not funny. Um, <laughs> it was like 1989 or something. I thought, like, I had two thoughts. Like, I thought, if I could stand here in front of this super hostile crowd who blamed me for being there, like, for ruining their Sunday, if I could stand there 
for eight hours worth of class and kind of make them laugh, mm-hmm. then I could really do anything. Like, that, that was kind of my thought, sure. like, comedically. And then uh, the other thought was, I'm a professional now because it's 86 bucks a class, <laughs> and I'm getting all, you know, I'm getting yeah, $9 an hour to do stand-up. But I still looked at myself as like entering the realm of professional comedians. And then the, the one thing that I, that I remember, and it was actually, it was like a really good exercise. Like you'd have to go to some Holiday Inn or YMCA or whatever on a Sunday or Saturday and just do this class from 8 to 4 in the afternoon, you know. And it's like, if you could win them over, if you get them not to be so miserable or angry or whatever, you know, they rolled through a four-way stop and now the, the world is destroyed. Like, somehow that was a vic- <laughs> that'd be a victory for me. But Did you do an opening monologue? I mean, where do well, you fit the comedy into the information? Here's, That's what I'm confused here's about. Here's the comedy of working for a comedy traffic school. Okay. It's not really in the actual delivery of the message or material. It's more what goes on back at headquarters, like when the head let us amuse you, traffic instructors going like, hey, I've been here 13 years, so I think I know what I'm doing. Like, you're thinking, you're such a loser for doing, doing comedy driving school for 13 years, but you have to kind of look up to him, you know? And then he's like, he's like now listen, <clears throat> These people could go to Sears for 22 bucks, or they could go to uh, Acme, you know, for 23 bucks. They're paying 26 bucks, all right? And for that, they deserve premium comedy, right? Like, okay, so it's $4 more. Right. It's 50 cents an hour more. Yeah, yeah. They're spending it. And they want to know they're dealing with professionals, mm-hmm. like professional-grade comedians that let us amuse you. So I was like, so how do we let them know that? Because mm-hmm. my way of letting them know it would be, would be funny. Right. Well, let's be funny, and that'll send yes. the message. They're like, listen, do not be scared to embellish your credits. Like, when you get up there, you let them know right, right from Jump Street how good your career's going, how much you're crushing it out there. I'm like, listen, it's 7.45. We're in the Conejo Valley, and we're at an arts deli that's not open that day. How good is the comedy career? Like, you think, I just opened for the Rolling Stones. We just got off the... We're on North American tour. We just, we just flew in from Brazil mm-hmm. on a private jet so I could make $80. Telling you losers what's funny about passive restraints. Like, I said, let's not embellish that much. Clearly, it's not, clearly it's not going well. Right. If I just right. sold out Madison Square Garden, it's not, I wouldn't be here. So it's kind of a flying in the face of facts. How you long know? did you do that for? Um, I and did it help your comedy? Did it... Do anything for it, or well, it, it like it, it lets you realize that you could be comfortable on your feet for a long period of mm-hmm. time, and that if you had to MC some <clears throat> event or some charity or, or something like that, like you felt like, oh, okay, I can go do twenty minutes, or right, I can stand right. here and work this auction or whatever, because you got used to kind of being on your feet. I, I did it for probably a year. I did it. For enough time that I should never have to go to traffic school again. Like, I feel like if I get a ticket, I shouldn't have to do the eight hours because I've done 508 hours already. 
I had to do three traffic schools before I taught. So I did eight hours, eight hours, and eight hours as a student. Uh, and I feel like I've accrued some, yeah. some good faith with the, right. the county. Well, it's time to talk about my sponsors. This, uh, this uh, printed ad in front of me is called Weird Things. All right, here we go. Think of all the weird things found in cars. And I'm not talking about the stuff that my Plan Z guys leave in that front boot. And I found everything because between Moise and his uh, groceries and Zuckerman with his iced teas, it's just a mess. And it makes me wonder about them. And another thing that I wonder about, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. Bet you didn't know they're OE in tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also OE on the majorities of BMWs and BMWs. BMWs? What? VWs! Now Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series belt that are fanatically engineered for perfect fit form and function. And Continental has an OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks, a belt should not be one of them. Go to Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit OETechnologySeries.com. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up to these guys to ask questions in a minute. There's something, when you were on my podcast last time, I forgot to ask you this. I had heard a story that it, at one point you were getting towed in a BMW, I believe, and you hopped in the car and <laughs> drove it off the tow truck. Is that, is that true, or am I just it's misremembering not, the story? It's not false. <laughs> um, what, what is the situation where that happens? I didn't drive it off a flatbed. Like, I'm not a maniac. I, I, I had an E36 M3. Yeah. All right. And, uh, and we were taping uh, the man show. We used to tape the man show on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to plug. <clears throat> Go ahead. We'd be, uh, when we'd finish on a Friday, we'd tape like two shows on a Friday, and we'd always go down to this billiards place, like down on Sunset Boulevard or something in Hollywood, and we'd go upstairs and just drink pitchers of beer and shoot pool. Like, what, what would you expect, right? And so all the riders, everyone would just go over there and have fun. And I parked, there was no parking at the, the place where the lot was all full up. And there was a 7-Eleven across the street. And I didn't want to pull into the 7-Eleven like right out front of the cash register and then walk across the street and go mm-hmm. leave for four hours. So I, it was on the corner, and I just pulled right underneath the sign on the outer corner, like on a gas station like where they sell the velvet pictures of E.T., you know, like, <laughs> like in, in, in North Hollywood where yeah, I'm from yeah. or... The, the Virgin Guadalupe beach towels or whatever. Like, when you see those weird... Like, that part of the gas station, like, next to the signs. I'm like, I'm out of the way, <clears throat> and I'm not holding anybody up. And then I went across the street, had a couple of beers, shot some pool. Next thing you know, it was, like, 1 in the morning, and some, like, PA came running upstairs, and he was like, you're getting your car towed! And I'm like, I'm getting my car towed! And I like ran across the street, and the car was in full, full tow. So it was like one of the ones where they put the slings underneath the rear tires, right, and they just right. lift it up. It's got those two arms, you know? That, yeah, it's like pickle fork arms, and it's lashed down to the arms, and the driver's there with his girlfriend, you know? And I'm like, let's not, let's not tow the car, you know? It's like, oh, we're towing it, you know? And I'm like, come on, man, like, what, what would it cost, you know? And then, I'm, and then I'm like, why don't we just let it down and I'll, just, I'll give you some money and then I'll, I'll just go home. And he's like, I, what do I tell my boss? And I said, 
You ever get called out to tow a car and you get there and the car's not there? Right. And he goes, all the time. And I'm okay, <laughs> tell him that happened again. And he's like, I don't know about that. And, and, it's, and, and then at a certain point, he got in the car and he started to drive away. He got in his tow truck. Right. And then I jumped into my car, oh knowing that most of the ballast was in the front. You know, the brake ballast is in the front wheels. And I just put my foot on the brake. And he'd get out of the car, and I'd get out of the car. And he'd start yelling at me. And then we'd run back to each car. And then he'd start dragging me away. And then he'd get out of the car again. And then I'd get out of the car again. And at a certain point, I said, just let me go to the ATM and, like, you know, I wasn't saying bribe, but I was saying, like, right. I will pay you for the amount of, of the towing. It's 120 bucks, or I won't have to go to downtown L.A. and get a ride and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. And then at a certain point, I just said, why are you being an asshole? And he's like, oh, you're calling me an asshole? It's like, yes, you've been acting like an asshole for 40 minutes. And he, goes, he goes, now it's on. And he, he jumps back into his truck. And some drunk segment producer I'm with named Tom, he's like, unlash the wheels and I'm like what and he's like I undid it and I'm like he pulled he undid it man he undid like the passenger wow. side and I'm like what he's like undo it undo it and I, he undid his side and I just pulled the you know thing it was like a tie down you know and I just released the tension on it he's like go I get in the car it's a, it's a five speed I think I get in the car and it rears up on the thing and they're like down these little saddles you know and I get in the car and I put it in first, and the wheels are four feet off the ground in the back, and I just throw some revs at it and just dump the clutch, and the thing like goes, and it just like falls forward. I hear a sound on the way down. Not a good sound. Not a good sound. <laughs> thing hits, and my guy's just yelling, go, go, go. And I, he goes running like into the night, and I just take off, hauling. I go to my house. I like draw the blinds, shut all the lights. Like I think the feds are coming now. Like right. He must have my driver's license. He must have all the pertinent yeah, information. He, he rode in, and I just keep waiting for like the cops to show up. Like, it's like, I think this, I may have violated the RICO Act or something. Like, you can't drive off a tow truck, you know. I just waited and waited and waited like all night. Like just kept every car that would come up the street. Like, that's the feds. It's a, it's a fury. What is that thing? A Grand Torino? So no one ever showed up. No one ever called. Nothing at the DMV. Like, nothing. This guy just went, like, I think this guy just went, touche, dude. Like, hey, if you're going to drive up. He had all the info written down on his. his, he, He just drove off. I just drove off. And then I got up the next morning. Yeah. Well, a little bit. I I got up the next morning, and I, I popped the trunk and the where the spare was on the back that was kind of an innie had been turned into an Audi. There was a, I don't know why, it was just a a hairline scratch on the bumper, like nothing, like just a zero scratch on the bumper. I remember getting my buddy Chris, who was a big dude who happened to be with me. I was like, hey, jump in there. He got in the back of my trunk. He's like, oh, he pushed it back down. That was it. And that was it. That wow. was it. <clears throat> Makes me miss the man show. Yeah. There's no, there's no hope of that show coming back with all the reboots that are going on. I know Crank Anchors was Oh, yeah, was Crank Anchors back. Congratulations. is coming back. Thanks. The man show, no one's approached. Would it work? 
in this day and age? Do you think? I think the problem is Jimmy has a career. <laughs> he does, and he doesn't want to get caught up in the Me Too movement. You know, you're so. very humble. You have a huge career. <laughs> I happen to know that we're both at Podcast One, and you represent a full one half of the 200 shows. You were the biggest profit maker for that place because your shows are so big, powerful. Well, tell that to Jimmy Kimmel next time you speak to him because he yeah. doesn't recognize no, television, my... Broadcast television is going away. <laughs> yeah, that's Podcast what I'll tell him. Podcast where it's at. That's what I'll tell Who him. wants to ask a question of any of us before we go? Yes, Spike's Car Radio shirt. Thank you. Yes. A delight. Um, Thank thanks. Um, oh, wait a minute. Thanks. thanks. Who knows? And thanks. I've listened to your show oh, okay. before thanks. as well. Um, I've got kind of a Z, uh, actually a V and three Z question. All right. All One, right. are there any Valvoline stickers available? <laughs> Shit, I left them all I left them all at the hangar. <laughs> Damn. But give me, okay. give me your address, I'll send you something. All right. I've got and then, um, So colors. as far as Zs go, uh, the Zagato, I did see it up there, and I listened yes. to the big Willie Henderson Robinson, Robinson. Big Willie Robinson, um, and the sound because I've I've always wondered on that rev the room on the show, which you guys discussed on that program that it's unknown what that sound comes from. Can the it Zagato came from a free sound effects library? Right. Can, yeah, it did. It came from the. That's can the Zagato end up replacing that? Possibly. It, we could. Once we get the car sorted, the car was just delivered a, a week ago, and it's and, beautiful. And yeah. thank you. We're, you know, we just took the first drive in it, so we're in the process of kind of taking the whole thing in, and um, we might do that. We, right we on. Could do and then that. the next Z would be Zorzi. Zorzi. Is he? You're, you've is got he all or, the inside references. Or is of he our or shows. the Catman going to be on anytime soon? He's talking about there was a car sold last year. Where's Zuckerman? It was sold. Um, it it was, was one of Jan Coombs' cars. Jan Coombs' car. And it was sold out in Florida. Right, at, at the, Amelia. At Amelia. And it yeah. came from an Italian collector whose na- first name I forget, but whose last name was Zorzi, who was very fastidious about how he kept his cars. So he kept foam between the doors. He wouldn't allow anybody in his house to Great slam car. the doors. It's become this little verb we, 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 we use now in the show for anybody who is obsessive about their cars. Like uh, Zuckerman and I keep, sometimes keep the plastic on new cars right. for a year Great before stuff. we even pull everything off. We, in the GT2 RS, we have that. And then um, the third Z. I've be... been trying to get in touch with Zori, Zori okay, Z, but, but to no avail. But really, you have more questions? And Other people have questions. the third Z would be just, actually not a question, but Zuckerman in a Speedo with a beret oh, All right, sit in down, Corsica. Sit down. Let's, we can go outside. <laughs> Thank you very yes. much, Bill. All right, who else has a question here? Yes, you, sir. You know, it's interesting when people are sleeping in cartoons, they put Zs over their <laughs> yeah. head like this. Another Z-related question. Yeah. <laughs> So we were talking about cars that have been like really hot and then maybe cooled down, and like the first one that came to mind was uh, the air-cooled Porsche turbos. Right. And do you see maybe like any cars from the water-cool era of Porsches becoming real hot in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Specifically, like the 996s. Like, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. As we see air-cooled heat up, Zuckerman. I would. Adam. I would say. I would say definitely 997s, I think, are going to be popular, particularly the GT3 cars, the RS cars, the 4.0s. Those are going to be big. And for a 996, a GT3 or a GT2 is a winner. But will, will we see crazy appreciation like we saw over the past, I mean, 10 years ago uh, to five years ago? I don't think so. 
Well, 928s are moving up. I mean, in the weird uh, water-cooled department, technically. Like, there are some of those 928s and 944 turbos and stuff like that. Like, I I think the off-brand Porsche stuff is interesting and it's going to move up. Like, 928s were nothing all day long, 944 turbos. Like, anything that was a non-911, his... it never had any value, and now a lot of the weird galaxy of cars. 914, 914.6s are, are going up. How about yeah. 912s? I mean, air cool, but Jesus Christ. Well, Magnus was just on the podcast yesterday, and he's in this zone, 928s, and he and I both like the 2004 G- 996 GT3. Uh, oh, yeah. One of my first GT3s, and I loved it, and then I would get into it today. You know, but again, you're dealing with an engine that may explode at some point. You just have to. Yours exploded. Well, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> Fix it. Drive it. Yes, I'd like to know if um, does your buddy Jimmy Kimmel appreciate your expertise, your automotive expertise? I mean, do you advise him on what to purchase at all? Mm, good question. Just a question on that. When when you make. A killer lasagna at your house. Does your cat really fully appreciate it? Or would you say your cat is too simple to really fully understand what you do with the oregano and how you soak the cheese in water overnight and then use the strainer? You know what I mean? It takes a certain intellect to appreciate what we're doing. Here, Jimmy does not possess that intellect, and so the sadly, no. 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 Yeah, like, what if you took your cat and you put it in front of that uh, huge symphonic hall in that opera hall in Australia? Do you think your cat would marvel at the architectural wonders of it? Or would it take a piss and walk off with some guys eating a tuna sandwich? Okay, well, that's what Kimmel wow. is. Wow! Look, I, I don't I don't disparage a man. I'm, I'm simply <laughs> yeah, drawing. It's a, it's I'm true. simply yeah. telling the truth and drawing it. I have a question. Conclusion. Yes. Yes. Um, we're guests of Kathy Calhoun, and she fell in love with cars when she was a little girl. She has fifteen, a number of beautiful cars. When did you fall in love with cars? Was it at an early age? For for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I always I always loved cars. I loved all things sort of mechanical, and uh, anything mechanical would work for me. But then, uh, obviously, cars are kind of a kind of a best expression of all things mechanical, with the, an aesthetic part of it, and so many different facets of it. But my dad didn't like cars. My mom didn't like cars. We didn't have any money, and we didn't have a garage or anything. So, and I didn't have any money either. So, there was no way to satiate that so I just and and then to sort of compound things um, uh, for the first part of my career I had to drive a pickup truck because uh, I did construction I was a carpenter so I drove like crappy mini Datsun pickup trucks and just I loved cars from from afar you know like I couldn't have a car I couldn't afford a car I needed a truck because I was carrying plywood and sheetrock and everything so I I used to just stare at all the car magazines and 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 remember when like the 959 came out like just staring at it going oh my god like never think I'd even see one in person 
And uh, now I just walked past one at Laguna Seca. I think Kenapa was in it. I just fired a snot rocket at it, and I kept walking. You know? so, that's where I'm at now. Well, know? what's that taproot car? What's the first one you get, that first car, that may not be the one that dictates the rest of your collection, but it's the first one that kind of christens the I, I kind of figured out that a, a 240Z Datsun was like a good, cheap, poor man's car that worked and had an overhead cam and, you know, aluminum head and a, and a five-speed. And uh, the first one's probably had a four-speed, but a 2000 Roadster had a five-speed in it and a two-liter motor and another overhead cam. And I was like, it started to dawn on me that the Datsuns were, like, pretty inexpensive. You could work on them, a lot of room in the engine room, engine, engine compartment. And uh, that was kind of my first, like, maybe I could get an old 240Z and, like, work mm-hmm. on it while I'm driving my mm-hmm. truck around. There, you so. go. there was another question over there. Sorry, oh, sorry. This one's for the panel. Holy Grail car? Hmm. Go ahead, Zuckerman. You start. Changes every day. But right now, <laughs> now that you said 959... I'm thinking 959. Yeah, sure. That'll make my life work. What about you, Adam? Uh, I'm going to do a deep cut and and not just pick like an $80 million Ferrari GTO because that, that's cheating. I love BMW M1 Pro cars, not BMW M1s, which are fine. The rims are a little funky and the interior is a little, you know, 80s, 70s. But the BMW M1 Pro car, I just love those cars. Naturally aspirated, you know, straight six. Like, I, I, I just have love. In, in race trim, they just are awesome. Like the and, they're, had. and they're fast yeah. on the track. And, and Canapa had, like, he did a street version mm. of an M1 Pro car. Like, it was a, yeah, like it was a gray with no metallic it was in it or something. track at Thermal. Yeah, yeah that was a... I, That's I, a beautiful it's, car. It's a great Boy. architecture for a car. Especially back then, you know. Yeah. I, me, I, I like Bruce Meyer's 61 250 short wheelbase that won Le Mans. Um, has nothing to do with the value. I just think it's one of the most beautiful creations I've ever seen. And, and recently I sent you that uh, I, it's an orange Gamund in the Porsche factory, one of the first 356s. That car blew Still. my mind when I saw it. You know, I, I see things like that and I can't sleep. <laughs> you know, and I'm never going to get them, but they, they light me up in that way that, that I think is the Holy Grail car. I, I'm sorry I ignored you over here. If anybody has any questions, now's the time to ask. Otherwise, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm about to laugh. Because oh, that, that fellow with a small dog. Where Look at that. There's a- the first race car I ever really fell in love with. Was, would you, are you talking about the Red Lobster BMW M1? I think it was. Well, there's a, there's a few BMW M1s. but And the, the Red Lobster one is, is funky because it's got the big lobster on it. But... I, I like them just in the pro car BMW M sort of striping and badging and livery because they ran like I think like an IROC series with M1s for a while and they they have a lot of them they have a lot of privateer cars and in different liveries but I, I like them in the BMW livery. There you go. All right, thank you all for coming, everybody. It's been a thank pleasure. You. Adam Carolla. We'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio for those of you listening at home. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. 
Hey, what's happening, man? It's Tip T.I. Harris. Come check me out, man. Join me on my new podcast called Expeditionally. Exclusively available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now, every week I'm going to be talking to people who move the culture forward, who are shaping and changing the world in their own way. You're going to hear some shit that will change your life and move the needle in your world. Expeditiously is exclusively available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now, what I need you to do is download and subscribe to Expeditiously with a new episode dropping every Thursday. Do it expeditiously! Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.